That is, I know that my Redeemer lives by the LDS Tabernacle Choir. This is Stephanie Colvin, and I'm your host today at LDS Real People, Real Lives. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. And if you're new, welcome. proclamation to the world states all human beings male and female are created in the image of God each is a beloved spirit son or daughter of heavenly parents and as such each has a divine nature and destiny we are choice spirits who is reserved to come forth in the fullness of times to take part in laying the foundations of the great latter-day work President Russell M. Nelson declared you are tied in a spirit world to prepare you for anything and everything you would encounter during this latter part of these latter days. That teaching endures within you. You are elect sons and daughters of God. You have the power to overcome the adversary. The adversary, however, is aware of who you are. He knows of your divine heritage and seeks to limit your earthly and heavenly potential. Aloha. Welcome. Welcome. This is Stephanie Colvin with LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. And thank you so much for joining us this week. That was the power to overcome the adversary given by Elder Peter M. Johnson. I believe he was a 70. Um, He might still be a 70. So this week's topic is going to be on contrasting the Savior and the adversary. It's based off of a talk that was given um, in the Liahona uh, that was published April of this year. And I just wanted to cover it. I thought it was very important as we live in the latter days that we come to understand the striking differences between being followers and disciples of Christ and um, choosing the other. Christ willingly offered to fulfill the Father's plan. And I wanted to cover the plan of salvation a little bit and talk about the difference between the two. In the pre-mortal council, when our Heavenly Father said, Whom shall I send? The Savior answered meekly, Oh, so meekly, here am I, send me. Christ further declared his devotion to Father and us, his family, by saying, Father, thy will be done and the glory be thine forever. It was because of Christ's love for us that he offered to be our Savior pure love. I know I feel that way about many in my life who I would sacrifice for if the situation called for it. And that's just a few people within my own family. Christ did it for all of his family, our family. This is the wisdom and love he had being the firstborn of the father. He is in the image of our father in heaven, the father of our spirits and desires to give all glory to his father because of his love and devotion. His conviction is stand for all truth and righteousness alongside his father, our father, even Elohim. Through the atonement and the sacrifice and all that Christ endured here on earth, we have become his. Lucifer, on the other hand, he wanted it all, but he didn't want to pay the price to have the glory of a God. Being the selfish, egotistical son of God he is, He claimed he would redeem mankind, but his version of redemption looked a lot different from Christ's. Lucifer wasn't volunteering to save us. He was not interested in suffering or dying for anyone. He doesn't love like Christ does. He doesn't love at all, at least in a way that we understand love and joy. The adversary wanted all of the glory, all of the honor, and the power without giving up a thing. He is lazy, you see. 
Selfish people tend to be lazy, arrogant, and self-centered. Lucifer is each of these in spades, and he has had millennia of time to perfect his wickedness. Lucifer would have reigned over us using terror and fear. Doesn't that sound awfully familiar? It sounds a lot like what we have going on today in our country and the world. He would be the supreme being and overlord, and we would be in utter misery, all the while the adversary loving every second of that misery, fueling him like diesel to a Mack truck. Christ, on the other hand, is completely motivated by his great love for each of us, but also because he desired to honor our Father in heaven and to be that example for us as it teaches in the book of John and the New Testament, the St. James Version, chapter 8, verses 28 through 29. This is just an excerpt. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Christ said and did all of this for us, those who live on the earth now, those who have lived on the earth, and those who will live on the earth. I do believe the atonement is infinite and given to us by Jesus Christ who covers more worlds than our own, but that's for another discussion, maybe one of these days. He did endure incomprehensible pain and agony, suffering and so much cruelty and injustice, and he did it all for us because of his love for us. I believe we have all been on the receiving end a time or two or even more of injustice, but our experiences will never be as extraordinarily painful and cruel as the Lord's. I do believe our pain is tailor-made for each of us, for Heavenly Father and Christ, who are one in purpose with the Holy Ghost, know exactly what sorrows and hardships to give us so that we might become like them. Are you willing to pay the price? Think about that for a moment. How great is the price? Are you willing to do what it takes to return home? Remember the quote by Justice Smith, which always brings me back into remembrance. And he said, a religion that does not require that sacrifice of all things never has power sufficient to produce the faith necessary into life and salvation. We want to be refined. We must be refined. And this is a proving ground. Keep your eyes and hearts on the prize. Do not waver. Through his great love for us, Jesus Christ rose above otherwise insurmountable barriers so that we too may rise above the pain and cruelty and injustice of this world and help and forgive and to bless. Oh, it is wonderful that he should care enough for me, enough to die for me and you. So let's cover some scriptures that teach us that the countless comparisons between Christ and Lucifer. I mean, Heavenly Father has been very clear about this. In any of the scriptures that you read, he is very clear and very plain about the distinctive difference between the two. And it's important that we understand their character so that we can pick. What God do we serve? Who do you choose? Ye shall know by the fruits of their labor. So what are your fruits and what do you want your fruits to be? 
in the article mentioned above in the Liahona for April of 2021, they do have a few scripture references to kick us off, and we'll start in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And then we have in Doctrine and Covenants section 10, verse 27, we are taught, And thus he goeth up and down, to and fro in the earth, seeking to destroy the souls of men. In Job chapter 1, verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And from these scriptures we can plainly see that Satan has access to the earth. He roams the earth, and he desires to stir up wickedness and evil. These are his only desires, wickedness and evil. Anything contrary to the light and glory of God, this is Lucifer. He is angry. After all, he was banished from heaven with many of our brothers and sisters, following him to their eternal death with no ability to obtain a body. Lucifer is making his last stand here and now. He's focused. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. He's had eons of time to hone his evil and wicked ways, and he is ferociously covering the earth to stop the work of the saints and our return home exaltation. And then we learn of Jesus Christ in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. And here is a short excerpt. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And I laid down my life for the sheep. I laid down my life that I might take it again. And no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Moving down in that same chapter, John chapter 10, to verses 17 and 18, it clearly teaches us, I have power to take it again. And Christ says, this commandment have I received of my Father. You see, Christ lives to please his Father, our Father, and to be our ultimate exemplar of what our devotion and conviction should be as well in our unique version in Alma chapter 5, verse 60, we are taught, And now I say unto you that the good shepherd doth call after you. And if you will hearken unto his voice, he will bring you into his fold, and ye are his sheep. And he commandeth you that ye suffer no ravenous wolf to enter among you that ye may not be destroyed. I remember once someone explaining to me what a shepherd does. He stays with his sheep. He leaves only for brief short periods of time. Otherwise, he watches over them. And when the shepherd leaves, there's someone else to cover for him until he returns. The sheep do nothing without instruction, and they develop a very close, unbreakable bond with their shepherd. They trust him completely, so they sleep fitfully while being watched over, trusting their shepherd not to allow any bloodthirsty animals after them. They move when they are told and they take instruction with exactness. It is a symbiotic relationship and it is one of affection, devotion, and commitment to each other. The Savior is not any different. We also learn further the character of Lucifer as it calls him a ravenous wolf. I understand scriptures better when I take the time to envision the scene. Um, So when I picture ravenous wolf, I see it being taller than me, very large, 
large in stature, larger than anything I've ever seen that lives. Its eyes are red and squinty with nefarious intentions, saliva dripping from big sharp teeth that has fleshy, fleshy tendrils between teeth from other meals. Lucifer can eat us spiritually. I also believe that when he takes over spiritually, it affects the physical body and you can see the evil seep its way into the expressions of the face of the person, the lines and the wrinkles that are created from the scowls and the frowns, the slackness in the skin from lack of love and compassion. Evil truly looks evil over time, hence the description of wailing and moaning and gnashing of teeth, like little gremlins. In Doctrine and Covenant section 29 verse 36, it tells us, He rebelled against me, saying, Give me thine honor, which is my power. And also a third part of the hosts of heaven turned he away from me because of their agency. But then in John chapter 8 verses 28 through 29 and 49 through 50, we are taught about Christ. I do nothing of myself, but as my father hath taught me, I do always those things that please him. I honor my father and I seek not mine own glory. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland is near and dear to my heart. And he explains the meaning of the come, follow me invitation. He says, come, Christ says lovingly, come, follow me. Wherever you're going, first come and see what I do. See where and how I spend my time. Learn of me, walk with me, talk with me, believe, listen to me, pray. In turn, you will find answers to your own prayers, and God will bring rest to your souls. Come, follow me. Going back to the character of Lucifer in Helam in chapter 6, verses 28, we're taught, He spread the works of darkness and abominations over all the face of the land until he dragged the people down to an entire destruction and to an everlasting hell. Oh my goodness, what misery and torment. And then we have John chapter 8, verse 12. And it teaches us about Christ. I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We know that when we are in darkness, and we eventually inevitably have those times in our lives, that it is dark that the light of Christ shuts out any darkness that comes from the adversary. For the adversary cannot stand up, and nor can he stand against the Savior. Let's do one more for the heck of it. In 2 Nephi chapter 2, verses 27, and Moses chapter 4, verses 3, here's some excerpts. He sought to destroy the agency of man, and seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. You see, Lucifer is a dictator. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about the eternal plan of life, happiness, and salvation. He only cares about himself, and that will never change. He has been given his judgment by an omniscient, loving Heavenly Father. And then we move to Christ, and in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly, and to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering, to fight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. You see, Christ will take upon him our yoke and burdens. He walks with us and talks with us. 
he teaches us and he loves us and he cheers us on from the other side of the veil with great love and hope for all. So I wanted to share some personal experiences that I've had with the Savior and the adversary. I will keep the most sacred to myself. However, I do feel by sharing that we can continue to learn and understand that the character of each so that we may make informed decisions of who we want to follow, who we're going to disciple. And this week in our family, we had a semi blow up. There are many changes happening within our family, including our parents who are getting older. And it's hard for an older person to accept their suffering and their pain, their hardships, especially when it goes on and on and on, and it robs them of their independence. One parent asked me during a conversation out of concern for the other, if I had noticed particular behaviors in the other that are worrisome. I was so relieved that they saw it too, and we could finally talk about it in hopes of helping them out. Needless to say, this person heard the conversation and took offense at what we were saying. And you know what? I totally get it. I understand. It's not a fun conversation for us to have, and I'm sure it's hard to hear the truth of your situation. I've had this experience, and it isn't fun. So at this point, all who were involved had to choose how we would handle it. We had to think about the consequences of our decisions. And this was a situation that easily could have created division in our family after we have worked so hard to overcome so much in our family. I truly believe families are great instruments to teach us Christ-like attributes. At first, it was a contentious, toxic experience with great heartache on all sides and so much worry. Unfortunately, the one we're trying to care for the one that we love so greatly that we finally are facing the truth, was offended. When offense happens, especially in relationships, it is toxic, and that is the greatest opportunity for Satan to kick that door down and to wreak absolute havoc. Satan is not hiding. He is in plain sight, and his goal is to destroy the saints. He wants to destroy our families, ourselves, Look around you. We are in 2021. Where's the nuclear family? I could see what was happening, but I only have control over myself. Then an idea popped into my head and it said, go and pray. Pray now and pray with your whole heart. This is too important. We do not want this dragging out and making even harder feelings to develop that it becomes more and more difficult to get past. Thankfully, all involved are in the gospel actively, and we do our utmost best to live the gospel. We really do, and we do it so imperfectly. But by following the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ and applying long-suffering, patience, forgiveness, and certainly love, we were able to move past the situation, but it was definitely on the cliff of disaster. You see, who we follow determines our lives, our decisions and choices, the outcomes and the consequences, and of course, our happiness and our joy. As we are taught in 1 Nephi, we must live after the manner of happiness. And it doesn't just happen. We have to make it what we want it to be. As I take stock of others around me and their trials within their own families, I can see how we are exceptional because of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. 
and the fact that we do try really hard to live it. So many people hate each other nowadays. It just seems like maybe this has been going on the entire time. But I mean, there is a lot of hate. And I know in the latter days, some of the prophecies talks about how there's going to be a lot of contention. There's going to be a lot of hate. There's going to be a lot of cruelty. And, you know, that's what we're seeing now is the hate for one another, people holding grudges, seeking revenge, um, you know, just wanting to forget and move on and are miserable because of these choices that they're making. Um, And I can see it clearly for what it is as I observe. Remember, anytime the consequences are negative and contrary, Lucifer has an influence over us. But then vice versa, anytime the consequences are positive and uplifting, They bless us and we have the influence of Christ and God. It simply goes hand in hand. So I ask again, whom do you serve? As I contemplated this myself, I learned that even in my thoughts, I must be vigilant that they fall in line with righteous gospel living. It's amazing how many thoughts go through our minds daily and how quickly we decide to do what we want with them. Thankfully, I have Christ's example. Do not look upon sin with the least bit of allowance. I'm not perfect at this, but I'm trying. And I will try and endure trying until I take my last breath. As we try, it becomes habit. Don't ever give up on improving yourself, your knowledge and your abilities, your spiritual talents. As a matter of fact, pray for it. Ask for help and then let people know what those talents are. It's not necessarily bragging in the right situation. It's important that the bishop understands the talents of his members in the wards so that he can put them to good use because we have consecrated our time to the Lord. Another example would be what we're seeing in the U.S. today. You don't have to be a genius to identify the divisiveness we're experiencing at some of the highest levels of government, and it trickles down. We continue to have riots in our cities, people policing one another, and that definitely never goes well. Others believing that we hate one another based on mainstream media, uh, you know, ideology. I don't know one single racist person, but I have been to some countries that are very racist, yet people buy into all of this nonsense. There are protests and riots throughout the world too, devastating crimes against humanity. Lucifer truly is raging. Even I have a stance on what is going on, and that is we need to stop living in fear. We are to embrace this new virus to what we can to protect ourselves, but we must push forward with all haste and continue to live the gospel dream of liberty, freedom, and especially the freedom to practice religion whenever and wherever we choose. Christians are under attack and the Constitution of the United States is hanging by a thread with the recent Ninth Circuit Court ruling today that there is no lawful reason to carry a weapon, concealed or not. We are truly living in the latter days, but that does not mean that we know when Christ is coming. So let us live as if he will be visiting us for dinner tonight this very day. May we consistently contemplate the Savior's lasting grace, his boundless charity, and cherish the truth that because of him, to us the gift of life was given for all eternity. Just as much as the adversary rages, light abounds, miracles are happening, the plan moves forward, and Lucifer will never be able to stifle the progress of the ongoing restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in his church 
the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. God and Christ have every option and choice allotted for, and we can believe in them. We can rely on them. We can trust them every step of the way. Because remember, Christ says, come follow me. And Lucifer says, you do what I tell you to do. Christ loves us. Lucifer hates us. Christ wants us to return home and give us eternal salvation. Lucifer wants to enslave and rob us of all that is good and right and true. Christ redeems us. He let go of his own life. He overcame all and he was resurrected in his timing, which is God's timing. We have the promise that the prophet in these latter days will never lead us astray. And this is the great love from God for us, his children, as he provides avenue after avenue for us to return home and to return home with honor. So let us choose. It is time to choose. The great gathering of the tribes of Israel has been ongoing and it continues to step up with even more urgency and haste. The time for living status quo and just doing things and kind of just moving through life, um, being somewhat apathetic has passed. We must make the choice and then push forward. And of course, my hope, my desire for each of you that can hear my voice is that you make the right choice and that you follow the Savior who will lead you to all that is good and right and virtuous and valiant and true and glorious. Thank you so much for joining me once again this week. I so much appreciate my audience. You guys are absolutely wonderful. I love hearing from you all. So don't forget, I am on Instagram, LDSRPRL podcast, and you can uh, DM me there. Or you can email me at LDSRealPeopleRealLives at gmail.com. Remember, that is plural. LDSRealPeopleRealLives at gmail.com. Until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Much love and God bless.